if you don't take the steps, the proper legal steps, to make sure that your your wishes are documented, then your opinion doesn't matter. Seniority Authority exists to answer your questions on aging. The world has changed dramatically in a generation with more retirees than ever before, living longer, with more choices. If you're an older adult or have an older adult in your life, where do you go to begin to understand those choices? I'm your host, Kathleen Toomey, with over a decade of work experience in retirement communities. I can track down the right people to answer your questions. So send your questions on aging to me, and together, let's get smarter about growing older. Today, we're going to get smarter about what we really need to do and not do to make our plans for the future. If you've ever wondered whether you need a will or a trust or what is probate, how do you avoid it? This is a show for you. We are going to learn all you need to know about getting your papers in order, whether you're in your 50s, 60s, or beyond. So stay tuned. Thanks to our show sponsor, The Riverwoods Group, Northern New England's largest family of nonprofit retirement communities, where active adults find community, purpose, and peace of mind. Visit riverwoodsgroup.org. Now, let's hear from today's guest. My guest is Andrea Daly, partner in Robertson Bosch, Sydney and Daly of Portsmouth. She's a graduate of Vermont Law School and Boston University. Formerly a partner at McLean Law Firm, Andrea has helped hundreds of families negotiate and understand the business of wills, trusts, and how to avoid probates. She practices in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Kathleen. It's so nice to be here. It's my honor. Um, You and I have known each other for a while, and we both share uh, a passion in trying to help families avoid some of these issues that can arise in the golden years, I guess. And um, so I'm really happy to be here and help help uh, clarify some of the misconceptions and answer questions. I couldn't think of anyone better. Um, Andrea and I have known each other, as she said, for years. We've been on panels together. And Andrea, um, as I do, has a passion for really helping people to understand and educate them so that they avoid making the mistakes that could really cause a lot of issue and a lot of stress in families. And and she's got so many war stories um, about what not to do that I was, she's the first person I thought of when I wanted to have this conversation. Because I think many of us don't really understand what we need to do. And a lot of us, Put it off like taxes. We don't. We, no one's asking us to do this, so we don't do it. And in the end, it could really hurt us, hurt our families, and have the exact opposite result that we would want. So um, we've all heard the expression "get your affairs in order," but it sounds so glum. 
Um, yeah. that what I really think you're doing is um, protecting your assets for the future or ensuring that, I like to think of it as ensuring you get your way. So if you have worked so hard for your savings, don't you want to have a point of view? Don't you want to be able to direct where they go? Yeah. So let's set the stage, Andrea, by starting with one question. Sure. Why should we care? Right. Yeah. We have a lot of things going on. Why should we care about Will's trust and probate? Right. Yeah. Um, I And that's a great place to start because if you don't see how things can go wrong, from my perspective, it's easy to think, what's the big deal? I've told people what I want to happen. Um, it's not It's not such a big deal, but but it really is. And I think going back to something you started with was people work really hard for their money and people... Um, I'm guessing most of your viewers have pretty strong opinions mm-hmm. about where they want, how they want their lives to end up and where yeah, they want their lives to end up. Pretty strong opinions, period. Yeah, pretty strong <laughs> opinions, period, right? And so, so you know, essentially, from my perspective, um, it matters. And the reason people should care is because if you don't take the steps, the proper legal steps, to make sure that your your wishes are documented, then your opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion will not be honored when you leave this world. And even before you leave this world, um, if you become incapacitated, either temporarily or on an enduring basis, for example, if you have dementia, um, what you want doesn't end up really mattering. And I think we'll, we'll kind of go through the basics of the whole probate process but maybe a good way to start is to explain that if you go through the probate process and you have not documented your wishes in a valid will, then um, the, the state actually has laws established that decide exactly where your assets should go. And that can be very contrary to how you would like your assets to go. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I saw an example actually just this week in the news. Um, there's the uh, Chadwick Boseman, the famous actor who <laughs> the Black Panther, who um, obviously a very talented, smart um, individual, beloved. He died without a will. He did not have an estate plan. Wow. And, you know, he had a lot more money than many of us have. He had a million dollar estate. He had a wife and no children, um, but in California, under California law, and this is very true in New Hampshire and many other states as well, if you die without a will, then your assets will um, go half to your parents and half to your spouse. And the formula is different depending on whether you have children from another marriage, whether or not there are, um, is a spouse and so on and so forth. So there's a whole formula that's set out there. And my guess is that Chadwick Boseman, if he had known that all his assets wouldn't be going directly to his wife, you know, that that might be very upsetting. And it may be creating a lot of tension and stress for his widow and his parents at a time when they're already grieving um, the premature loss of someone they loved. So if we want to avoid those kind of stresses, let's let's clarify things now because your voice matters. Right. That, that's a perfect example. And I would think that that's the rule in California. Probably every state has a different rule as to what they're going to do. So 
And I think that's a really good point. I mean, he died very, very prematurely. And you don't want the result of your death to also be tension around money. That's correct. The worst thing that could happen is it could damage the relationship that you have with people that care about you and love you. Um, And your money, as you said, the state decides, you don't decide. Right. And I think many of us want the state to decide what to do with our money. No, no. No. I remember years ago telling my parents, you know, I really think you need to revisit your estate plan. It's probably been 20 years. And they they said, why does it matter? You know, we've got something in writing. Why does it matter? And I said, well, because the laws change. And I, I remember saying to my dad, every election, the number one factor that you think about when you vote for a president or taxes is the this candidate's position on taxes. But if you don't take the proper steps, your your estate could all go to the government. And he said, well, that's a good point. I don't want that. So he, yeah. he went in and made changes. So. so that brings up a good point, Andrea. At what age do you think someone needs to make a will or put their affairs in writing? And, and you know, very prescient to mention Chadwick Boseman. Um, at what age should, should someone do this? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, well, I think the way to break this down would be to explain, um, and I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but to explain the different kind of documents that I think everyone should be, should have, and to explain why some of them are important to have early and some are more important later. So while you are alive, if you get to a point um, either because there's an accident or a surgery or um, or dementia, anything like that, where you're not able to make your own decisions, either for a brief period of time or for an extended period of time. If you have two important documents, a power of attorney for healthcare and a power of attorney for finances, then you get to decide who will be the person who will step into your shoes and make decisions for you. Who do you trust? who has good judgment, who's gonna handle the situation well. And my feeling is that everyone, after you turn 18, in a perfect world, everyone should have powers of attorney documents because, um, because we're all, we could all have a car accident on the way to work. And, um, and if you don't have those documents while you're alive and something happens to you, then um, a family member is going to need to go to court to get a guardianship over you in order to allow someone to make decisions for you. So um, I know that young people feel invincible, but for everyone over 18, I'd like to see them take the time to go get a power of attorney for healthcare and a power of attorney for finances. Now, the other important documents that everyone should have would be a will and a trust. Um, And I think those are less important when you're young because we don't typically have that much money. If you are young and you have expensive assets or you anticipate coming into expensive assets, then I think you should work with a financial advisor and an attorney to make sure you have a plan in place. Um, And I think by the time you're between 40 and 50, it's really critical that you get these affairs in order and you make sure you have a will and a trust, especially if you have children. or any kind of complicated family situation, you know, like a second marriage and stepchildren, you know, things like that. So that's great to break it down. Power of attorney for healthcare and power of attorney for finances as soon as you turn 18. And then when you're 40 or 50, 
to get a will and a trust in place. And can you explain the difference between a will and a trust? Yeah, so th this is one of those things, unless you do probate work, you won't know this. And I know a lot of people who are super smart and this is complicated and confusing. So then they tend to put it off. <laughs> um, so yes, the difference between a will and a trust is a will um, is, a, is a document that defines and identifies who you want to be your executor and how you want your assets to be um, distributed upon your death. A will is something that gets filed with the probate court. We have multiple probate courts throughout the state. Um, so uh, like for me in Portsmouth, I would be at the Rockingham um, County probate court. Um, and we um, file, the will gets filed with the probate court. And then the probate court does what's called the administration of your estate. So if you have a will, you have an estate. Your, all of your assets are in what's called your estate. And the probate court oversees the administration of the estate. And what that involves is someone files the will, then the probate court appoints an executor. The executor gets bonded by an insurance company. And then the executor has to file an inventory of all of your assets. Um, identify all of your debts, and then they can distribute assets after a certain period of time with the approval of the court. So it is, it can be viewed as cumbersome. Uh, it can take time. Yeah. And it can be expensive, especially if there are disagreement, uh, disagreements among beneficiaries about um, what's involved in the process. If you want to avoid probate, you can do what's called a trust. And a trust is like a will, but it's a different document that's governed by a series of statutes uh, or by a statute and a series of laws called the New Hampshire Trust Code. Um, and New Hampshire has done a lot of work to update and modify its trust code in order to make New Hampshire a very attractive state mm -hmm. in which to have your trust documents be um, administered. Um, a trust like a will identifies, it, it basically creates a shell within which you can put your assets so they're not in what would be considered a probate estate, but instead they're in a trust. So once you create a trust and you fund the trust, uh, you have a silo that is protected from probate. So when you die or become incapacitated, then your trustee manages the trust assets um, and follows all the rules in the statute and the probate court knows nothing about it. The probate court is entirely uninvolved unless someone chooses to file some sort of legal challenge to what the trustee is doing. So it allows you to operate more efficiently. There's privacy involved because the court doesn't need to know everything about your assets um, and you don't have to get permission from the probate court in order to do things. Wow. It's a lot. It is a lot. And it sounds very powerful. It sounds like a very powerful tool. Yet I, I feel like some people assume that you don't need a trust unless you have a lot of money. Yeah. And is that, that would seem that's incorrect. That's incorrect. Um, it, it's certainly um, people with, uh, with a lot of money, with a lot of wealth, have trusts and sometimes they have multiple trusts and they're complex trusts with all sorts of 
provisions that your average person never needs to worry about. Um, it is a misconception that you need to have wealth in order to have a trust. The trust is really just a vehicle. It can be a very simple document. Um, and and it does, you don't need to spend a lot of money in order to establish a trust. What, what really you need to decide is whether or not you wanna to have to deal with the probate court or not. And so some people have a three-page trust. Other people have a trust that looks like it's the size of a, a small manuscript, you know? Um, and so it's, it's entirely up to you. It's really just about whether or not you want to avoid probate. I guess I should mention too, Kathleen, that if you don't do a will and you don't do a trust, then when you die, uh, you die intestate. And what that means is that somebody will have to pick up the pieces and file a petition for a state administration with the probate court and seek to be appointed um, in order to follow the statute in terms of how assets get dispersed. So if you don't have a will and a trust, then you still go through the probate court process. Now, tell me about probate because I, I, you, you, we refer to probate and you hear it tossed around um, and it sounds like something to be avoided at all costs. Um, you know it inside and out. What's the impact if someone doesn't have a will or a trust does intestate and they need to have the probate court involved? Is that a, a three-month process, a six-month process? Does it get divided according to what various people think this person wants? How, how does that actually work? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's so crazy because I think a lot of people think as long as they've told a loved one what they want to happen with their assets, um, that will happen. And as a result, I've seen a lot of tragic situations where people's wishes end up not getting honored and um, unnecessary assets get spent on the probate process. Instead of making sure the money is getting to the right people or the assets are getting to the right place, we're in court trying to um, follow a formula that's set out by statute. And I'll give you a couple of examples. I, I worked with a family years ago where um, the, the father had raised his two stepchildren from the time they were babies as his own, and they called him dad, and he viewed them as his children. Um, and he, but he never legally adopted them, and he didn't understand that that made a difference. And um, under the intestacy laws, your heirs, your legal biological heirs are the people who inherit in this formula. So, so those stepchildren were not entitled to anything. And he died at 45 of a heart attack, completely not expected. He had been in very good health. And his two stepchildren, who everyone knew he wanted to benefit and receive his assets in full, did not get a penny. They didn't get a penny and instead distant relatives who did not have a relationship with the decedent instead received his assets. And the unfortunate thing is people can get odd about money. Um, mm -hmm. They are know they're now receiving monies that they never expected to receive. Um, people can start spending it in their head before, before um, they even get it into their hands. And so you know, in that situation, we were able to go to court and we were able to litigate and finally mediate a resolution that the probate court approved. So my clients finally walked away with something very small, but it, it left them feeling very 
sad and um, not understanding how their father, if he loved them as much as he said he did, why didn't he do something to take care of them? Um, and monies got spent on litigation instead of making sure it got to the right place. So that's kind of what, what I want people to avoid. The process at a minimum, if you go through probate, is going to take a minimum of six months, most likely a year or more. And it depends on how complicated the um, holding of the assets is. You know, if there's real estate, we're gonna have to get permission to sell the real estate. If there are claims against the estate, there may be litigation over whether or not those claims need to be paid. Um, so, and I'll tell you a, another example of what happens with probate. We had a, we had a case here at my firm where an older couple um, on the seacoast um, wanted to put together a trust. They looked at a draft trust, but they didn't want to pay for it because they felt it was at, at I think about $400 was overpriced. They died, well, she died shortly thereafter and he had a stroke and they had no children. They had no nearby relatives to assist with their affairs. Um, and it took a tremendous amount of resources, far more than $400, to get a neighbor appointed as the guardian over the incapacitated individual, to identify the assets, to negotiate debts with, with uh, all sorts of credit cards because debts hadn't been paid. Um, and it just seemed so unfortunate that this older couple's assets were going towards fixing messes rather than going to the place where they wanted it to go in the draft trust document. Wow. That's a great story because for not paying $400, they spent, I'm sure, thousands of dollars thousands. in fees and litigation. And um, you've convinced me, <laughs> if not everyone listening and watching this podcast, that if you care about the people in your life, you need to do this. You need to get your will together, your trust together, and the power of attorney for healthcare, power of attorney for finances, because you don't want to leave a mess for right. your, the people you care about to clean up. That's right. That's right. And, and it, it's also really important to understand that um, loved ones can have very different ideas of what you want and they can all think they're right and they may all have a valid reason for their perspective but it doesn't mean that you won't have a lot of stress and um, discord after the fact so the more you've done to clarify what your wishes are and how you want things to be handled upon your death or even upon being incapacitated right do you want to be in a facility or are you insistent that you stay home and have 24 7 care no matter what um, you know, when my mom died, um, she, we knew she had cancer and she had been sick for a while and, and um, we had some wonderful conversations. They were difficult at the time, but I look back on them with so much gratitude now about what she wanted for even a celebration of life event. And um, she, she told me she wanted a bench put in concrete with a good view so no one could move her. Oh. And, you know, as I went through the process the year after she died of making sure we could find a, a granite bench with a great view of the water. Um, I felt a, an enormous sense of pride and calm 
you know, there was, there was so much I was doing for her that I knew she wanted. And um, that's a much better place for your loved ones to be in rather than fighting over whether or not mom wants the bench or mom wants to be in a facility. You know, we don't, we don't need those kind of stressors at that point. No. And, and to your point, when you mentioned earlier, you, you could have said, or your mom could have said to you at one point, one thing and to someone else, another thing. And everyone legitimately says, mom wants this, or she told me she wanted that. But unless it's in writing, it's everyone's interpretation. So then all of the old uh, conflicts of, of childhood come back. and That's right. Yeah, it, and, and it really does. I think people, loved ones kind of revert back into these childhood roles. And, um, you know, it, it, it's sad. I see a lot of family relationships um, destroyed over those kinds of battles and, and misunderstandings about how this process works, right? So if, if your father always told you that you were gonna get the house, but it wasn't in your will or your trust that that's what was going to happen, you're not getting the house. You're not getting the house at all. You might not even be getting part of the house. Yeah. Um, but if you've heard that over and over again, or you've heard over and over again that mom's giving you her wedding rings when she passes, and there's nothing in writing, um, you, you're not getting anything. Now, maybe you'll have siblings who will all agree that you should get the rings, but you're not necessarily entitled to any of that. And so I hate to see that, you know, if that dad had always wanted that certain child to get the house, maybe that child helped him build it, you know, mm -hmm. and he always felt it was special and should go to that child. Put, if that's important, put it in writing and not just write it down, but put it in a will or a trust because those are the documents that the court needs to enforce or if it's a will and then in, in trust, the trustee enforces. And um, the, the law is very black and white. If we don't have things in writing, then we follow our statutory formula. So Andrea, as you've told us, you need a will and a trust, but many people, I think, feel like if they have a will, it's done, they're all set. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us why you need both a will and a trust? Yeah, so if you die with just a will, you at least can be assured that your assets will get to the places that you want them to get to because you've put your, your wishes in writing in a, in a document that the court will, you know, look at as valid and then honor your wishes. However, if you have a trust, let's say you want to avoid probate altogether and you have a trust. I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble because they think, well, I've got a trust, so I'm all set and I get to avoid probate. But the problem can be if, um, if all of your assets are not in the name of the trust, then there will still be an estate to be probated. And I'll give you an example. I had a, a, an elderly woman who was under guardianship for years with advanced dementia. And her, she had two trustees acting as co-trustees managing her trust. And while she was alive, we worked really hard to get all of her assets out of her individual name and transfer them into the trust so that she would die without a probate estate. And we would just we would just uh, work on the trust and wouldn't have to deal with the hassles and expense and delay of probate. Nevertheless, we found out after she died that she owned 
ownership interest in multiple stock accounts that we had never been informed about prior to her death. So now we're in the position of having to open a probate, which just creates more delay um, and expense. So what I recommend to people, if you have a will and you just want to stick with the will, that's fine, but know that your, your assets will go through probate. If you have a trust, I strongly recommend that you also have a will and you, you can do something, what's called a pour over will, which means that anything that's in your individual name instead of in the name of your trust will literally pour over into the trust upon your death. Um, and it's just, you know, I have a trust and my house is in the trust, but it took me a while to remember to put my car in the trust. And what about my bank account? So unless you were really diligent and have a financial advisor and a lawyer working with you to make sure everything is in the trust, it's easy for little things to get left behind, which is why a pour over will really helps protect you. Okay, that's very smart. So uh, do a pour over will. And once you have the trust set up, you have to fund it, which just from my personal experience working with my parents who set up a trust 30 years ago when they moved to New Hampshire and we took a look at it, it was empty. Yeah. And they did not realize that, yeah. and they're smart people, and they, didn't, they had the trust, very detailed trust, but nothing was in it. Yeah. So that's a, an important piece. You're working with an attorney and a financial advisor to set the documents up, but then you have to put everything in there. Yes, very, very important. Otherwise you're left with an empty, empty trust, nothing in the trust. So unfunded trusts are a big problem. And I think people go through so much to finally sign the documents, they think they're done, and then they don't realize there's more work to do, so. Right, right. so I think that's very important. Set up a pour over will, get a trust and then take that time to fund the trust. Mm -hmm. Now, another question that comes up is, I have a will, I put it together several years ago, is it set it and forget it? I have a will, I have a trust, do I just stick it in a drawer and ignore it for 50 years? Um, what, what's your recommendation on that? So two thoughts on that. First of all, I'd love for, for your listeners and viewers to if they're working with an attorney or a financial advisor, it's really a good practice to make sure their original documents are in the hands of their professional. Um, because we need to actually produce the original documents um, in, to the court or to the trustee in order to proceed and know that we're dealing with the correct document, right? Because someone could have done multiple trusts or wills over time. So we want your original documents to be safe. And if we don't know where they are when you pass, then we are left scrambling to try to find them or to have them recognized as valid, even though they're copies. So make sure it's in a safe place. Um, and then you want to um, revisit your documents, at least check in with a professional every 10 years or so. Some people would say every five years um, or where there are major changes in your life. If you go through a divorce, if you lose a child and have adult grandchildren who you want to take care of in a special way, if you become, um, it may be um, there's a fracture in your family and there's one child who you don't want to leave things to, you're not talking to anymore, or, or one of your children's become independently wealthy and you want to make sure the other children are taken care of. So 
every five to 10 years, just taking um, a little bit of time to look at your documents and make sure that the people who would be in charge and the way things are, are set to be distributed is still accurate and reflects your current wishes because circumstances do change. I think that's a really good practice. And that's true with powers of attorney, by the way, too. I can't tell you how many you know, older people have their sister Mabel acting as their agent under the power of attorney. And by the time we need the power of attorney to be activated, Mabel is in a nursing home. So Mabel's not gonna now be acting as your agent. We're gonna go get a guardianship. I think that's very important. And, and uh, again, using my own parents as an example, the will or trust that they had set up 30 years ago, the executors were at all passed away. Yeah. So you really have to think about the age of your executor and and check in on that on, that, right. on a regular right. basis. Yeah, um, this is very very invaluable information. Is there anything else I didn't ask you that you'd want to share? Um, you know, I think my last piece of advice would be um, that your viewers need to really think about the relationships between their loved ones when they make the decision about who should be in charge. Um, I find that there are many uh, parents who know that their children don't necessarily get along or have different ways of solving problems and taking action, but they don't wanna hurt people's feelings or they don't wanna make a difficult decision. Um, and so they, they decide to appoint everybody, you know? And I'm here to tell you that that is one of the surest ways a probate litigator like me will become involved in your family's affairs because it leads to more discord. So you are doing yourself a favor and your family a favor. If you can on, be honest with yourself and recognize if, if you have three kids and they all have different viewpoints and they, they're great kids, but they don't necessarily get along, you pick one, you could pick one for the estate, one for, one for healthcare, you know, but just make sure uh, that you don't lump them all in there to have equal say because it will just lead to uh, more legal fees than necessary. That is brilliant advice. And as as much as I love you, I don't, I think a lot of people want to hear your advice. They don't want to engage your counsel in a in a probate battle. I think that's a very smart piece of advice for um, for all of the listeners out there that you know. Do yourself a favor, do your kids a favor, pick one, don't try and make them all get along uh, and, and agree to the same thing. These are very hard emotional decisions. Um, things don't get easier when uh, you're grieving. So um, it's fantastic advice. Yeah, good. Well, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was wonderful to see you and um, uh, we'll be listening and waiting for questions on uh, this podcast, and uh, maybe we'll have you come back. Sounds good. You know where to find me. Okay. Bye, Andrea. Bye. Thanks to our show sponsor, the Riverwoods Group, Northern New England's largest family of nonprofit retirement communities, where active adults find community, purpose, and peace of mind. Visit Riverwoods Group. Org. That's our show for today. Did it spark a question? If so, send us your questions at senioritythority.org and we'll track down the answer. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe, like us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube, 
and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, let's get smarter about growing older.